0: What's going on, everybody? It's flag to flag on Fox Sports 640. I'm Jeremy Kaufman, getting ready to recap all that's going on from the world of motorsports and kicking it off with some NASCAR in Sonoma. Kyle Larson wins again. And you know, for years, I've always heard imagine if Larson went to Hendrick. He's going to go to Hendrick at some point. He would do so much better at Hendrick. He'll be the best of all time. Well, I'll tell you what, he's off to a very good start in his Hendrick Motorsports career. His third win already of the 2021 season. That ties him for the most on the year with Martin Truex Jr. And he is making a major run at the points championship for the regular season. You know, it was only a few weeks ago. We were talking about how Denny Hamlin had such a massive points lead and that he was probably going to win this regular season championship. At certain points, he was flirting with a 100-point advantage. And just five races ago, after Kansas, Denny was leading by his teammate Martin Truex Jr. 87 points was the advantage he had. Now it's Kyle Larson who is in second, trailing by just 47 points. And for Kyle Larson, just a few weeks ago, he was ninth, 144 points. Behind Denny Hamlin in five weeks, he has climbed seven spots in the standings and gained nearly 100 points on Denny Hamlin, who was so consistent earlier in this year and still is pretty consistent. Denny Hamlin finished eighth this past weekend, but Larson was dominant and he did something that was so impressive to me at a road course race. The stages are very complicated when it comes to these road courses, and it's simple. You play the race backwards. You're not going to lose a lap when you come to pit road, so it switches the strategy around. You're not waiting for a caution to pit. You're trying to beat the caution to pit road, and we saw this scenario at first. In the first stage, it looked like there was a miscommunication with the Hendrick guys not pitting before pit road closed, Um, and that cost them a bunch of track position. Larson from the pole ended up winning the stage, but... Now he's marred back in traffic and tires are so crucial. You have to protect them at Sonoma and you have a long way to go to the front on a place it's not easy to pass at. So the question really was, okay, now that they made this mistake and pitted under the stage ending caution, lost all their track position, can he get back to the front? He did it almost instantly. We're talking 10 laps at certain points, and he's going 24th all the way to first. It was unreal. The fact that he managed to win both stages and win the race was really what blew my mind because we we see this all the time. You're either trying to get points or you're going for the win. And if you're going for the win, you're going to pit with three to go at the end of those stages, before they close pit road and save your track position so that when it cycles through, you're back up front. You missed out on the stage points. This gives an opportunity for some other guys to maybe gain a playoff point, gain some stage points, but they know they're hurting themselves later in the race. Kyle Larson just kind of threw that whole trend out the window. He said, you know what? I'm going to go out there. Him and Cliff Daniels decided we're going to stay on the track. We're going to win both these stages and we're just going to drive right through the field again and win the race. And they did exactly that. Holding on for late race restarts, too. We had a lot of cautions in the last uh, section of this race. Went into overtime. Nobody had anything for Kyle Larson. That five car was stout, and it's his first road course win as well. Um, Kyle Larson this year, he's really showing that he can be consistent every single racetrack we go to. When we talk about Kyle Larson getting wins There was a common theme. He did good on larger tracks. Michigan and Auto Club were his bread and butter. And he also did well in shorter races. He had trouble, it seemed like, closing the race out and getting the victory lane on some of these longer ones. Up until just two weeks ago, Kyle Larson had never won a cup race over 400 miles. It just had not happened in all of his years of competition. He had six wins in his career in his first handful of seasons. He's already got half of that in one season, half a season alone. Coca-Cola 600, there goes he can't win a long race. He dominates, wins every stage there. Six of the last six stages. I can't recall the last time somebody has won this often and been this consistent in a cup race and you see it reflecting in the point standings Larson is making a major charge the only thing I can say about them is I hope they don't peak too soon this goes for Hendrick as a whole because we've seen this so many times where there's a dominating organization and then here come the playoffs and all of a sudden it flips I mean look at last year Kevin Harvick Uh Denny Hamlin, they won pretty much all the races, and Hendrick was not really at their level of performance we had seen. But Chase Elliott, he turned it up in the playoffs and went on and got that championship. So so many different variables can affect how this plays out. But if you're racing for Hendrick Motorsports, you gotta feel good right now, especially on that five team. He gets that 269th win, gets them the all-time wins lead, then he goes ahead, picks up win 270, and if you look back through the last couple of weeks. Um, throwing it back through Coda there. It's Hendrick, Hendrick, Hendrick winning all of these races. So they are looking very impressive right now. And I think. You know, Gibbs Racing is definitely right in there with them. I don't know who you can give the nod to, but Hendrick Motorsports is making a strong case for their organization with all these wins and all this consistency and one, two finishes, one, two, three, four finishes that they've been able to pull off. You name it, Hendrick has been able to do it this year, and it really is an impressive season, especially for Kyle Larson and Cliff Daniels out there with their third win already this year and closing in on Denny Hamlin now within a race. It's been a while since someone's within a race of Denny Hamlin. They are right there nipping on his heels and we're starting to close in on playoff time. We've just got those 10 races left before the playoffs and it's going to go quick this weekend. We have a break. We got the all-star race and we still have a two week break coming up next month for the Olympics. But 10 points-paying races is all you have to look forward to in this points championship to make it into the playoffs. Right now, we have 11 different drivers still locked in. Kyle Larson, he got another win, so that didn't affect the drivers locked into the playoffs. Who's in, who's out? But if you look at the cut line, we're starting to see some separation here. Um, Chris Buescher, he still holds the bubble spot, and again, he had a very good day Um Just consistency is what we're seeing out of these Roush cars. So I I thought it was a very good run. For Chris Busher, he's got himself a 60-point advantage. He's above Matt DiBenedetto on that cut line. Matty D., they just cannot seem to find the luck and the speed on the same race weekend. If they have good luck, they have terrible speed and vice versa. And it's really shown now they are right there on the cut line. But they are now 60 points behind that bubble spot that Chris Busher holds. That's a pretty large margin we are talking about with stage points. And when you also throw in the, um, you know, the points from the actual race that you can earn everything, 60 points, that is the maximum you can pick up in a race weekend. That's the advantage at the cut line. You're starting to see these guys maybe thinking, all right, we need to be consistently beating these guys, or we're going to need to get ourselves into a position where we can win a race and they're doing that at Matt DiBenedetto's team. I'm not too shocked by this move. Typically, when you start to struggle, the first thing you do as a team owner, switch out the crew chief. It really is a thankless job being a crew chief. Um, Now, uh, his crew chief was Greg Irwin. He had been calling the shots this season. It's going to be Jonathan Hassler taking over the role starting this weekend at the All-Star Race. So, uh, they're not locked in. They're going to try and race their way in. But for all intensive purposes, considering that there are no points on the line and they're not already into the all-star race, while they're not going to sit there and just take it easy this weekend... I got to feel this is a good low-pressure situation to make that crew chief change because we don't have points on the line. If he doesn't make the all-star race, he doesn't make the all-star race. Really, if you don't win the all-star race, it doesn't really matter. It's about getting the million dollars. So this is a good weekend to feel things out with Matty D and this new crew chief, Jonathan Hassler, and see how they work and get themselves prepared for this run to the playoffs because they are well in the hunt and are still in a position where we have enough races you get on a hot streak you can make those points up but they are on the cusp of being further out than they need to be to be able to make these points up so a crucial time these next few weeks for Matt to Benedetto as we head through Nashville and then we have the Pocono doubleheader coming up so some and road america after that so some really um a different variety of racetracks, and including an unknown, with two of those racetracks being new dates somewhere we have not raced at in the Cup Series ever. Um, with Nashville Superspeedway, and it's uh, it's been a very long time since Road America has held a premier NASCAR race. That's coming up on July fourth weekend. So uh, a couple of opportunities, hopefully, for Matt Benedetto, but they are going to need to be focused and hitting on all cylinders if they're going to be able to make up this points deficit. And of course, we can't forget the possibility that somebody picks up a win beyond that cut line, and if they do, it's going to shake everything up because that'll put Chris Busher out, and then that bubble gap is just seven points. So we have a lot of different variables that make this playoff so exciting to follow. So many different things can switch in one direction or the other and completely throw this out of whack. Now, right now, when you look at those standings, it is Matty D who's right below the cut line. Um, Kurt Busch, he is just three points beyond Matty D in 18th place, 63 points below the cut line. He had a good race, sixth place finish, and he's got some uh, news surrounding him. Could Kurt Busch maybe be going to 23-11 racing That is a rumor that is swirling right now. We seem pretty confident, I think, at least, based on what we're hearing from Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan, that 2311 Racing is looking to expand to a second car next year. The question is, who's that driver going to be? Some people thought the idea of Denny Hamlin, driver owner. Um, It doesn't seem like that is the way this team is looking to go right now, but Kurt Busch has come up multiple times. Nothing confirmed yet, but it appears he is the favorite. He's got a connection to his brother who races for Joe Gibbs strong alliance between those teams. And and then of course, you know, Kurt Busch obviously is in the last year of his contract with Ganassi and they haven't had the performance. I think that they're looking for, they really have just been okay in their time at Chip Ganassi racing. So for Kurt Busch, I think he's probably um, looking for a new opportunity. I think that that would be a safe bet to say. And if 2311 opened up, I got to imagine it would be an interesting opportunity for him to see what he can do in those cars. Give us a real gauge, having a championship caliber driver in those cars. Somebody who has done this before, who's won the Daytona 500, who's won the championship and has the experience that maybe Bubba isn't bringing to the organization right now compared to what Kurt has that maybe can help boost the organization and in turn help Bubba Wallace and company run a little better there at 2311 as well. So Kurt Busch, though, the one thing I will say about him for this season, he has a habit of winning one race per year. And he's below that cut line right now. If he can get him that win... That's going to be the guy who I'm watching for to shake up this entire playoff standing, jump into the playoffs and really mess things up for uh, guys who feel a little more comfortable like Tyler Reddick and Chris Busher sitting there 60 and 67 points above the cut line, respectively. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. sits 82 out. He's 19th, and it was a tough weekend for him. Blew a tire and crashed fairly early out there at Sonoma. Ended up finishing in the last place. And Ross Chastain making some progress. He's now 84 out. Top 10 finish, exactly what they needed to try and gain some ground on Chris Busher um, at this weekend in Sonoma. Well, the question I think was interesting. It was posed during the broadcast who is going to be the top four? Who is looking like our championship four now? Because we are really closing in on this. We're past the halfway point of the actual season 16 of 36 races, and then now, of course, just 10 to go to the playoffs. Well, honestly, I think Fox uh, Sports was onto something with this call. Looking at our finishing order, our top five, our our top four could really come from that top five. Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr. Those three right there are hitting on all cylinders right now. Truex is consistent. Three times he's won at Sonoma. He won two of the last three races there. He did not get the win this week, but he was one of the drivers who had a shot, if we can call it a shot. I mean, Kyle Larson was really uh, kicking these guys' teeth in. But if you can call it a shot, it was Chase Elliott and Martin Truex, who I think really could have competed as closely as somebody can compete to Kyle Larson. Chase Elliott right there in the middle, I think he's a strong contender, defending champion. He's running consistent, and he's great on these road courses. We got a lot of those on this schedule, especially in these next 10 races. August is road course month. For these guys. We are going to see them hit the track on the Indianapolis road course. They're going to be at the Watkins Glen road course. Um, and then right before that, you know, we have road America coming up in here. So within a short few races, we're going to have a really uh, long streak of road courses for cup series racing. And I think that's where you got to look for chase Elliott to make his move potentially and really gain some ground. And then of course we have the Roval in the playoffs and that's going to be another place that's chase Elliott's wheelhouse, although. Kyle Larson, he, he's got some road racing chops when you give him a good car. I, I can't talk enough about how good he did this past weekend. And honestly, if I'm making a midseason prediction of who would make that Final Four, I'm going to go Larson, Elliott, Truex Jr., and I'm throwing Kyle Busch in there. He has a win this season, got the one win, but each and every week, it seems like this team is getting more consistent. Last year was not the Kyle Busch we're used to seeing, and it was very odd. We had the crew chief change. Adam Stevens was not willing to make some of the changes that Kyle wanted. He left top of the pit box, new crew chief this year. A couple of rough starts in the beginning of the season, but every single week, Kyle Bush is hovering around the top five, top 10. He's contending for wins once again. And I think as this season goes on, it's just going to keep getting better as him and his crew chief start to work together more. Kyle Bush is definitely going to be in this championship hunt more so than we saw him last year. And I think it's Larson, Elliott, Truex and Bush. I'm going to mark those down and see if my predictions come true for this final four coming up in November when we head to Phoenix. A couple of quick notes on the race. Uh, William Byron, man, I felt for him, he has been on fire this season. He is the most improved driver of anybody in the field. The last 13 races, he basically went 13 for 13 with top tens. The only exception, he finished 11th one week. Nearly set the record for consecutive top tens, but that 11th place finish just came at the wrong time. Unfortunately, his great runs have come to an end with... An unfortunate scenario, he was running very well this weekend, but we had that big wreck that took out Kevin Harvick, who still hasn't won this year. Byron got heavy damage. This is lap 78. He ended up finishing 35th and had his worst finish that we've seen out of that 2014 in quite a while. The good news, though, they are still doing very good on points, and they got that Homestead Miami win, so they are locked in. To uh, run down the rest of your top ten, we mentioned the top five. It's Larson Elliott, Truex Logano, and Kyle Bush. Kurt Busch comes home in sixth, helping him gain a little bit on that cut line. His teammate Ross Chastain in seventh. They finished right at the back of the field, the two of them, last week. Two top tens for him this week. Good rebound from Chip Ganassi Racing. Denny Hamlin always consistent sitting there in eighth. Another good run for Alex Bowman and Ryan Blaney in the tenth position in the point standings right now. Well, coming up in a couple of minutes on Flag to Flag, we're going to touch on some Xfinity Racing, big win for A.J. Allmendinger, and some surprises at the playoff cut line. Plus, we had some different pit road rules to try and save the team's money. Non-competitive pit stops. Some people did not like them. I'll tell you exactly how they work if you're still a little confused by them, and if I think that they're good enough to stay around here. I honestly have, I think, an unpopular opinion on these stops. I'll let you know what it is coming up next in a couple of minutes here. It's Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640. It's Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640. I'm Jeremy Kaufman talking all the NASCAR news from the previous week. And this is not a surprising headline. A.J. Allmendinger wins an Xfinity road course race. He seems to do that a lot. We know A.J. is great on the road courses. He got his one uh, cup win at Watkins Glen a couple of years back. 2014, he did that. And it is a big win for multiple reasons. Not only for AJ, but for Cowley Racing, the organization he drives for. But we'll start with AJ Almendinger. He actually has just tied Marcos Ambrose for the most wins on the road course in Xfinity Series history. And we're probably going to see that in the Cup Series, too, with Chase Elliott. Uh, Jeff Gordon holds the record at nine. We've got seven on the schedule this year alone, and Chase Elliott's won six of the last, or uh, uh, five of the last seven, I believe, on the road courses. It might be actually six of the last eight. But regardless, he's definitely coming for Jeff Gordon's number, and A.J. Allmendinger will more than likely pass Marcos Ambrose with all the different road course races we have, especially now that A.J. is full-time. And he's another guy who is running as good as I have seen him in NASCAR. He's a championship contender. A big thing you see with these guys who come from open wheel or road racing backgrounds is... They tend to struggle with the ovals. Well, A.J. Allmendigger, he got that oval win. That is huge when you jump over. Picked that win up earlier this year. He comes back to the bread and butter that is the road course. And he had a Kyle Larson-esque day, like we saw on Sunday. Was up front a lot of this race. Very competitive. Got shuffled back after a pit road penalty that was a fairly controversial one. Although the rules do spell it out pretty black and white, we'll go into that in just a couple of minutes here, but A.J. Allmendinger had to drop well back in the field, and he quickly marched his way through, and then a daring three-wide restart move to the inside that A.J. took advantage of maybe the lack of experience on. Uh, boy, wonder Ty Gibbs out there. He took advantage of both Ty and Austin Sindrick. That caused Sindrick to spin, but it got A.J. Allmendinger the lead. He never looked back. He went on to win this race at Mid-Ohio, and I mentioned it's a big win for Cowlick as well. A.J. was telling you it was like winning the Daytona 500 for Cowlick because this is where he's based out of. This is home for Matt Cowlick and that team, so to get that win at Mid-Ohio, to be in the area that you grew up, that you raced in, whatever it is, It is such a big deal, so you can see the happiness in Matt Cowleg after that race as A.J. Allmendinger went out there and grabbed the win, and also to note, Kyle Larson, 90 minutes away from Sonoma Raceways, where he grew up, and uh, that's where he was able to get the win. There's pictures of him in the grandstand as a kid. you got to love when you can come back to your home track and score that win. So big weekend for, uh, obviously, Larson, but uh, Matt Kowlig, that's a big number for him, and A.J. Allmendinger, another win. And getting himself tied with Marcos Ambrose for the all-time winner on road courses in the Xfinity Series. I suspect he might break that stat coming up this season because something tells me he's not done winning on road courses. Um, I'll tell you, though, A.J. Allmendinger had an interesting penalty, a new penalty this week, something we haven't seen at least uh, I haven't noticed, be issued to somebody who was up front leading the pack during the course of one of these Xfinity races. So in order to understand what happened, we'll first go back and talk about what pit road was like this time around. And simply, these rules of non-competitive pit stops is to save the team's money. You know, the Cup Series, it's another level. When you used to be able to see the winnings posted for Xfinity and truck, it's a lot less than what you get in the Cup Series. Your ratings are lower. Your attendance is lower. Your sponsor prices are lower. There's less money to go around. But when we go racing almost every week of the year these days, we're a companion event with the Cup Series. That goes for the Truck Series too. Most weekends are a companion event. They're at the same racetrack. And a lot of these teams, they have affiliations with Cup organizations or they rent a pit crew from whoever is going to be pitting The junior motorsports cars, they're they're Hendrick pit crews that are pitting those cars. And all these other teams, they get other pit crews who are cup teams to pit the car on Saturday and Friday night, depending on when the racing is. Now we're racing in mid-Ohio and the cup cars are all the way over in Sonoma the next day. It's tough to get a cup pit crew to come out there and to hire your own crews, especially when you have bigger organizations like a junior motorsports, Calig Racing, um, Richard Childress, they're going to go out there, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. They're going to go out there and they're going to get a real pit crew. They're going to hire a top-notch pit crew. They're going to pay for it. But Brandon Brown, who is battling for a cup playoff position, or an Xfinity playoff position, rather, Jeremy Clements, who's in that hunt, they can't afford this. So what NASCAR has done is level the playing field to try and keep this more even. And the rules are basically you only have a couple of guys go over the wall. Your position under caution on pit road does not change unless you take too long. There's a long window. It's something like 70 seconds. I think they had to do their stop. And because there's less people over the wall, the big change in this, and the one that I think was getting people so confused is you needed to make two pit stops to do a full service four tires and fuel. What we always see all the time was not allowed last weekend. You either had to do four tires or fuel. And if you wanted both, You had to come down two times. That's how the track position game was working. And honestly, I'm all for saving these teams' monies, first and foremost, because they need a a better financial structure to keep these series healthy. I obviously prefer competitive pit stops. We all love watching those guys on pit road make the the deciding factor sometimes of these finishes. But I didn't honestly mind the strategy calls that we saw out of this format. I think NASCAR did a decent job By mixing up the way the strategy had to work, it's the best of a bad and necessary situation. You talk to these teams, they say, Look, it helps us. I know it's not exactly what we're accustomed to seeing, but it does make a big difference in our bottom line, and it allows us to keep racing and to not have a disadvantage. I like the fact that NASCAR makes it so you have to come down pit road twice to do a full service. Because now it allows for differing strategies. If you want track position, the only way you get it is by either not taking tires or not taking fuel or not taking either. You either have to stay out, you pit one time or you pit twice. There's no other options. If you want to put under green before the end of the stage, you can only take fuel unless you have a flat tire. So you saw that maneuver with some guys coming down pit road. And trying to uh, get fuel before the end of the stage, then they can only pit once for the tires, and they can leapfrog everybody who's got to come back for fuel. So the strategy I thought was very interesting. Now the confusion and the very strange penalty that you normally don't hear in racing goes for AJ Allmendinger. Now he rebounded; he was frustrated at the time of the penalty, and I didn't know if he was going to be able to get back to the front. He. He did exactly what Larson did in the cup race and drove through that field like a hot knife through butter. But um, the penalty he received was because he did not stay on pit road long enough under the green flag. And that sounds so weird because it's all about trying to get off pit road as quick as you can. But this is the scenario that we actually had played into here. Um, NASCAR enforces The uh, equality of the pit stops and having less guys going over the wall by saying, when you come to pit road, you got to be there for 50 seconds. This way, nobody can say, well, our guys are just faster. Train up some really good guys. No, it doesn't make a difference. You have to be there. So that stops the other teams from trying to still bring five really good over the wall guys to get an advantage because there's a minimum amount of time under green. You must be on pit road. And I don't have a problem with that, really. I see the format, I see what they're saying, and I see how the rule works. Without the rule, you're still going to have problems keeping that cost balance even. So we end up in this situation here where uh, A.J. Allmendinger is just a couple of seconds too fast, and you know how much time makes a difference. If you watch racing, these guys are sitting there, and they are, for the minute, to the second rather, sitting there and watching their time to make sure they're off pit road. If they have to be there 50 seconds, they want to be off pit road in 50.01 seconds. Unfortunately, they just miscalculate on AJ Allmendinger. He got a penalty. And luckily, if you didn't like any of that, good news. That's it. That's it for Xfinity standalones. Uh, there's going to be a couple of truck races with those rules, so uh, that's coming. But The good news is that is done if you did not like it, and that is the reason for the penalty. It's simply having a minimum time to make sure nobody is spending extra money to gain an advantage if they do pit under green. Unfortunately, A.J. Allmendinger's team just miscalculated, and it's a pretty black-and-white penalty. You have to be on pit road line-to-line 50 seconds. If you're not, you get a penalty, and they were not. So I really don't have a problem with it. If they... Didn't come out and say that this is a cost-saving measure. I'd probably be a little bit more uh, irked by this pit stop strategy mode that we run on these standalone races. But when you look at the economics of the sport, I think this is an important thing for the time being at least. And I do like the fact that we're not scrapping these from the entire series because it's still very crucial to have those as a part of the – uh the overall competition of motorsports I really think it's important to have competitive pit stops more often than not when you get into NASCAR's top 3 divisions and honestly I'd like to see it more in ARCA but same thing I understand why they're not doing it it costs a lot of money to have a good over the wall pit crew and if somebody's going to spend more money they can really shift things in their direction during these races You know I got to say the biggest surprise of the Xfinity season has got to be and not for a good reason Noah Gragson you know, I almost kind of forgot that he was having such a bad year. I don't know what it was. I know he had trouble early in the season, back to Homestead where he had a shot to win and he had a tire failure late, or a lap car, rather, had a tire failure right in front of him. You know, there has been a lot of bad luck for Noah Gregson. But as you look at the point standings, and this is junior motorsports, we don't expect this, Noah Gregson is currently on the bubble, and he only holds a 15-point advantage over Brandon Brown and Riley Herbst, another guy who's having a really bad year. He sits below the cut line by 45 points. So we have some cup guys that have gone to victory lane. That's always part of this, but as far as the winners so far this season through 13 races, guys who are locked in and are eligible for the championship, Austin Cindric, AJ Allmendinger, Justin Alguier Jeb Burton, Myatt Snyder, who the win is really saving him because he's actually below Noah Gregson in the points. But Because he's got that win, he's leapfrogged him and jumped in. Daniel Hemrick is 6th, 128 above the cut line. Harrison Burton yet to win, also 128 up, tied with his teammate. Justin Haley's got a 92-point buffer, and then we start to get into the danger zone. In ninth, Brandon Jones is only 36 above the cut line, another guy who's got speed but just isn't performing to the level you would expect. Jeremy Clements doing a great job, 25 up, sitting 10th in points. Michael Annette is only up by 17, and then Noah there by 15. So the question is, are we going to have somebody, Brandon Jones, Michael Annette, Noah Gregson, not make these playoffs? Well, at the moment, we are still 13 races away. We are halfway right now through the Xfinity Series regular season, so a lot can change. But if you told me Brandon Jones, Michael Annette, Noah Gregson, and Riley Herbst, you give me that list, I think one of those guys is going to miss the playoffs. I don't think there's room for all of them. I think we're going to see guys like Brandon Brown, Jeremy Clements keep their consistency and do well, and we might see some issues for these other guys. I'm concerned about Noah Gregson. This team just cannot get a groove going, and if I'm going to bet on anybody to miss this, it's— It's not a safe bet by any means because he can knock off a win at any point. But I am concerned for Noah Gregson because you don't go 13 races sitting there on the bubble without really missing something on top of bad luck. I'm really concerned about that organization. They need to turn things around. And you look at what happened last weekend, epitome of bad luck. They just got pushed out into the grass as everybody was running wide. Turn one, lap one, ripped the front fender off of it, destroyed the car, and they were done for the day. Last place, again, it is the worst possible thing that could have happened to them, and they are sitting now um, right on the bubble, just holding on for dear life to that playoff position. Luckily for them, though, there's plenty of time to turn it around. We'll see if this team uh, can keep up with some of their teammates because is really doing a great job. He's got himself a pair of wins. We know uh, Josh Berry and that eight car has been doing good. It's Michael Annette and uh, Noah Gregson just kind of sitting there right at the bubble, uh, 11th and 12th in the playoffs, and only 12 are going to make it. So we will be interesting to see how he pulls uh, off from that finish there. So as we look at the race results, it was AJ Allmendinger going to victory lane. Justin Haley in second place, a Calig 1-2, another big deal with that home track. Ty Gibbs, he was a little bit upset with the move that AJ made, putting him three wide and kind of roughing him up a little bit. But honestly, I... Welcome to the NASCAR Big Leagues, Ty, because if that's going to get you upset, you got a lot more coming for you. Uh, AJ Allmendinger is just doing what he should have done and what anybody would have done in that situation, taking him three wide. Still a little frustration from Ty Gibbs about that. I think he'll just be frustrated that he lost the race, and he'll get over that one pretty quick. He is in the third position. It is Brandon Jones in fourth after that race. That's going to help him gain some ground on the cut line. Uh, Andy Lally, great run coming home in the fifth position. We've got Brandon Brown said trying to get on that cut line, gain the ground. He had a sixth place finish, and the guy he's chasing finished last. So great race there. Michael Annette with a good finish in seventh. That's what they needed on that bubble. Josh Berry, you know, this Jordan Anderson story is great because it really sucked to begin with. They could not get themselves into a race. No matter how hard they tried, they just could not get themselves in because the rain hit at Daytona and we didn't qualify. They had no points. We didn't qualify until Coda just a couple of weeks ago. They put Tyler Reddick in the car. He did a good job. And then they had a great plan this week because there was no qualifying again. They wouldn't make it. They threw Josh Berry, who was out of the eight car this week, into the car. It locked them into the race. He's now eighth in the point standings and Josh or eighth in the finishing results, rather. So great job. On his first road course Xfinity start for Josh Berry, coming home with eighth, he said he was tickled to death with those results. And Jordan Anderson, the guy who's footing the bill and trying to make something happen, he finally gets to drive his own car this weekend at Texas, because with that eighth place finish, they had enough points to make the field. So awesome story right there. It's great to see that Jordan Anderson will get to start that race. Rounding out your top 10, Ryan Sieg, he gets himself a ninth place finish, and also Josh Williams Coming home in 10th. Great shout out for him. Excellent job by that entire team getting that finish there. Well, this weekend, it is All-Star Weekend, and the format is, it's a mouthful. I guess you could call it that. I'll run it down for you and see if you can even understand it. Plus, is it time to scrap the All-Star Race? I mean, it's getting a little crazy this year. Is it better having a regular points weekend, or does the All Star race still hold a special place on the NASCAR calendar? I'll debate the topic. Let me know what you think at Suits KVJ. It's coming up next on Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640. It is All Star weekend for NASCAR's Premier Division. It's Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640. I'm Jeremy Kaufman, and we're getting you set up for the racing this weekend. A packed weekend of action, but it is headlined by the All Star race, uh, taking place in Texas for the first time been in Charlotte for a while. We had it at Bristol last year, and I, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, but I'm just going to say this right here. The All-Star Race managed to disappoint at Bristol last year. It really wasn't anything spectacular to write home about. I just, this whole All-Star concept, it seems like every year we do something crazy, we get all excited for it, and then we get to the All-Star Race, and you're like, eh, okay, cool. Let's get back to actually paying attention to what's actually happening. Let's do real racing now. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I'm really burnt on the all-star race. I feel like it would be better to just, I mean, you always talk about throwing in some different tracks, scratch the all-star race and give us some new track to apply to the the, uh, the points uh, season. I think that would be the best way to go, but we got the all-star race at Texas this weekend. Interestingly enough, it's going to have the restrictor plate or uh, the tapered spacer size that we have at Daytona and Talladega uh, for the past two races there. So, the lowest horsepower on a mile and a half I think we've ever seen 510 and these guys are going to be racing probably in a pack and they're not going to have a lot of time to get separated because this is going to be some very short stages so the easy part is the open for the all-star race we're going to run 50 laps uh, 75 miles we'll have three stages 20 20 and 10 nothing changes there and the winner of each stage will advance to the all-star race with of course a fan vote winner going to be advancing as well for somebody who didn't make it and does not have a wrecked car. Now here's where things get fun. We've got 100 laps for the All-Star Race. The first four stages of this race, six total, will be broken up into 15 laps. So that'll take us through 15, 30, 45, and then 60. So at the end of the first stage, they're going to draw a number between 8 and 12. Then they're going to invert whatever number they got. So if they draw 10, they'll invert the top 10 and the last 10, which is basically the whole field at that. If you draw 8, some guys in the middle might stay in their spot. At the second round, at the end of that one, they're going to invert everybody. Then, um, excuse me, at the beginning of round two, they're going to do the draw again. Yes. I'm a little confused, but I'm losing my mind on this. I'm trying to read this thing, and it's still confusing me. That's how much I, I I mean, Dale Jr. kind of went off on this format, and I get it. So what it actually is, the beginning of round two, they do that inversion. Round three, it's the entire field. Round four, once again, they're going to draw between eight and 12 cars to invert, and then round five will be set from the cumulative finish, the average finish of everybody between rounds one and four. That's the long 30-lap stage, the lowest cumulative finisher from the first four will end up at first with the worst being uh, last on that restart. And they will go for 30 laps, which includes a mandatory four tire pit stop during the fifth round before we set ourselves up for a 10 lap shootout with the results of round five. Are you still with me? Because I don't think I'm with me. Uh, In addition, uh, the fastest pit crew on the mandatory pit stop in round five will pick up $100,000 and the race winner will get a million. And for the entire all-star race, we will only count the green flag laps. So nobody will have to complain about wasting laps under caution. That's a mouthful. And it's confusing. Honestly, I I think I'm just going to be watching this. I've got my notes next to me, so I know what each stage is as I read them. But the easiest way I can put this is every single 15 laps in the beginning of the race, there's going to be an inversion. The only difference is how many cars get inverted, the entire field at the end of the second one and the fourth one, and a random amount of cars will be inverted at the end of the first stage and the third stage. Yeah, it's confusing. It's 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 just like they're trying to manufacture some good racing here, and I don't like to use that term a lot because it's, it's packages and then you race with whatever you got, but it just seems like we have so many cautions and rounds and resets and we're trying so hard to make this all-star race a big deal. It's the same guys we see every single week. It's not like other sports where you bring guys together from different teams and um, put them all together on the same team and have this big special to do. It's it's just a short race for a million dollars with a lot of uh, stages. I I don't know. I, I'm kind of over this whole all-star race. You know, we talk about work being done to Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway, work being done to North Wilkesboro, um, potentially at North Wilkesboro. Nothing has started there. Um But if these two tracks come back, why do we need to take a break for an all-star race? Let's throw it as a points race. Let's give these things opportunities um, to apply to the actual championship because it just seems like this all-star race is such a pain. And honestly, you got guys like Ryan Priest isn't even going out there because what's the point? You don't even know if you're going to make the all-star race. You're all the way in Texas and you're not a chartered team. If you're chartered, you're forced to be a part of it. That's part of the deal. So Rick Ware has got to have all his cars out there. I can't imagine, though, driving all the way to Texas just to run the Open is going to really uh, help you balance out, even with sponsorship. Um, but that is what's coming up this weekend. It will be the all-star race. And, uh, you know, honestly, I'm sure it'll be crazy because of all the cautions. It'll be interesting just to see if it it, it lives up to what anybody's expecting because, honestly, I've got, I've got some low hopes for this one. I really don't expect much to come out of this year's uh, – uh, all-star race. I don't know what it is that just doesn't have me excited for this one, but it's kind of like, okay, we're just going to waste a couple hours uh, racing for some extra money without any points, and it's going to be nothing special. Either way, it's all-star weekend in NASCAR, and we'll still be back to recap it next week, see what happens, see me. hey, prove me wrong, you know. Uh, NASCAR's got some wild stuff going on this weekend, so who knows, maybe I'll be eating crow next week, but it just seems like I've tried to get myself excited for this race too many times, uh, and I've had my hopes let down so many times that I just can't get myself excited for it anymore. I'll tell you what I am excited for though. Saturday night, the superstar racing experience. Tony Stewart's been teasing this series for a while, and now it is actually going to be happening. It is a six-race summer series with some of the names you don't see in the series as as much. It brings them from all different places. The cars are all stock prepared and handed to the drivers, and they just go for some shootouts. Two 15-minute timed races. uh, Heat races will set the lineup for the field, and then we'll have a 100-lap feature So nice and simple there. I like that over for the superstar racing experience. And uh, what's unique about this whole concept, we got drivers who are going to run for the six week championship. And this is going to be every single Saturday night for the next six weeks with different racetracks. But then we got some cars that will switch out different drivers. You know, I I've heard Haley Deegan, I know is one of the names that's going to be running some of these races is Um, the superstar car or whatever the official name is for it. uh, They have a couple of different rotating cars. Some, which I think is cool, will provide the local star of that racetrack, the opportunity to step up and compete. Others will be guys from different forms of motorsport that are currently still active coming in and uh, racing in the superstar racing experience. But for your full-time field, it is a small group. It is some big names though. And some guys who, you know, honestly, my generation, some of these guys, I never even saw drive a race car. Other than maybe one or twi- once or twice, if even, um, the entire full field that we're going to see for the next six weeks. Number two, Ernie Francis Jr. Uh, he's coming from the world of Trans Am racing. Uh, Elio Castroneves. I mean, I think we've all heard of Elio recently. The day uh, Indy 500 champion for the fourth time. He's got a little bit of clout, I think, going into this. You want to make your competition feel nervous? Go win the Indy 500 two weeks before you jump into the series. And that's exactly what he did. Bill Elliott. Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. I saw him race one race that I think I can recall. He drove a number 50 Walmart car in the 2012, it might have been 2011, but I'm pretty sure it was 2012, Coke Zero 400 at Daytona. About the only time I've seen Bill Elliott drive a race car that I can think of. Paul Tracy, I never saw him behind the wheel. He's stepping out of the broadcast booth to do some racing. Number 13 will be his car. Number 14, I mean, we all know who it is. It's Tony Stewart. Michael Waltrip, he's going to be running full time in the 15. Good to see him back behind the wheel of a race car. Willie T. Ribbs driving number 17. It is Bobby Labani back in the 18. 18- That's a throwback number back to his Joe Gibbs racing days. Tony Kanaan, he's driving the 48 on the ovals in IndyCar, so he takes that number along with him. Number 48 will be him, and we saw him in the Indy 500. Marco Andretti keeps his number 98. He will be running this weekend at Stafford Motor Speedway. Um, Honestly, I'll tell you, you know, we've got a lot of short tracks and a lot of dirt tracks, but when I look at this calendar, there isn't really a weak spot, first of all, but for me, I'm excited for Slinger Speedway. This this is a quarter-mile racetrack, high banks, fast speeds. That is going to be, I think, the race to watch. And uh, I am also excited to see the Nashville Fairgrounds. It could end up on the Cup Series schedule very soon. They're working on it. And it looks like we are right around the corner from seeing it because the championship next month for SRX is going to be at the Nashville Fairground Speedway. So that'll be really awesome to watch. Um, All starting this weekend, and we'll have that all coming up for you, where you can watch the race in just a couple of minutes. Before we jump to that, though, interesting uh, discussion I saw here involving uh, Jeff Gordon on social media. Is Jeff Gordon already done broadcasting? Now, I always grew up as a Jeff Gordon fan. You know, as a broadcaster, you're supposed to kind of be neutral. But growing up, I always watched Jeff Gordon. That was the guy I cheered for and I like watching him at Fox, but I think we've all known there's a shelf life on this because Jeff Gordon is probably going to be the guy to take over Hendrick Motorsports. And really, with the people that they have, I think Jeff Gordon, with the relationship he has with that team, the success he has, and everything that he has done over the years being the owner of the 48 car, I think Jeff Gordon is a great fit for this. The question really is, though, when is this going to happen? When does Jeff Gordon move over? Well, I didn't realize his contract is up with Fox Sports. This could be his last race. And apparently, according to Adam Stern, who rarely gets anything wrong, when Adam Stern listens, I I mean, when he speaks, I listen. Because the guy, he knew Anthony Alfredo was going to front row motorsports before Anthony Alfredo did. In fact, Anthony even commented and said, wait, I'm the favorite? Really? Or excuse me, this was uh, not not Anthony Alfredo, John Hunter Nemechek. When he got that ride uh, for the 2020 season, he's like, I'm the favorite? I haven't heard anything, but guess who drove that car in 2020? It was John Hunter and uh, Adam Stern called it for Sports Business Journal. Well, he's calling this. Jeff Gordon is apparently weighing his options and may make that move to Hendrick Motorsports and not re-sign with Fox Sports. I got to be honest, I'm liking Jeff and Clint in the broadcast booth, so I'm kind of disappointed by that. I think they're two funny, really funny guys when you pair them up. And obviously, as we all know, they have a history between each other. So that's always been fun to watch. But if you're Jeff Gordon and you've got the opportunity to step up your role at Hendrick Motorsports, start taking it over, that's where you got to go. And I totally can see him stepping aside from the broadcast booth, albeit a little sooner than I expected, to go to Hendrick Motorsports. But apparently we might actually be seeing Jeff Gordon's Final Cup broadcast coming up this weekend because NBC is coming up uh, at National Super Speedway in a couple of weeks. So Jeff Gordon, should he leave the broadcast booth and move over to, fo- um, to uh, from Fox to Hendrick Motorsports, I think that's the move to do if you've got the opportunity to start going there now. But as a fan, I would really like to see him stick at Fox Sports a little longer. I enjoy listening to him call the races, and I do like the whole back and forth with him and Clint. I think they add a lot to the broadcast booth. And, of course, Mike Joy is just a just legend right there. Um, so with Mike Joy in the booth, you, you got a great combination right there. So, the All-Star Race is coming up this weekend, and Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch will be sharing the front row. That was set by a random draw. No points on that one. 17 drivers locked in. They have got either a win in this season or the previous season, or they've won the All-Star Race before, or are champion. They can get themselves in. As for some of the points races going on this weekend, Texas Motor Speedway, it's going to be a Cowlick front row. The 1-2 finishers get to start 1-2, with AJ Allmendinger and Justin Haley leading them to the green. Brandon Jones, Austin Sindrick going to be starting 3rd and 4th, and the guy who needs a good run, we talked talked about him earlier. Noah Gregson, he finished really way down in the field after crashing out on lap one last weekend. That's going to hurt him big time because he's going to have to start in the 30th position. And he really needs to gain these points if he's going to keep himself in playoff contention. Uh, We also had uh, in the truck series, John Hunter, they're back this weekend. And John Hunter, he keeps winning nonstop. He's going to be leading them down to the green with Ben Rhodes on that front row. And that's going to be another playoff to watch because we talk about running out of time in the Cup Series. These guys only have a handful of races left before they start moving on and competing for the playoffs and the championship. That's coming up in August for the truck guys. So only a couple of weeks left. As far as the races go left on the Truck Series schedule to make it into the playoffs, it's really heating up there, and we got some great racing coming up this weekend. It is jam-packed. I'm telling you, if you're a racing fan, this is going to be a great weekend because you're going to be glued to your TV pretty much nonstop. Here is what you can look for and where you can catch all the action this weekend on Saturday. It starts with a doubleheader in Texas. We got the speedycash.com 220 for the truck series. That's going to be 1 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Then we got that Xfinity race. That's coming up at 4 p.m. on FS1 after that. The ALSCO Uniforms 250 shortened up this race a little bit, so we might have a little bit more of an urgency um, cutting this race down 50 miles here at Texas. Also going on Saturday during those races, we have got... The IndyCar Series, it's the Duel in Detroit, the Chevrolet Grand Prix, so we got two races there. Race one is Saturday at 2 p.m. on NBC. The second race you can catch Sunday, 12 p.m., that is on NBC as well. Some broadcast coverage there. Saturday night, this is the the race I'm looking forward to. Stafford Speedway in Connecticut hosts SRX for their first ever race. It's 8 p.m. on CBS and then we've got that All-Star race on Sunday. It's going to be going down. The All-Star Open is at 6 p.m. And remember, we're going to have three drivers advance from that field by racing their way in. Everybody who wins each and every one of those stages. And then, of course, the final winner of the race. And we've got that fan vote. Um, I know Timmy Hill was making a big push on social media. Bubba Wallace, I'm sure, is going to be a favorite for that. And Daniel Suarez, he's got a Pitbull tweeting about him. So, I mean, Pitbull tweets out, vote for my guy. That's probably going to help him along the way if he can't just race his way in on his own, which wouldn't surprise me if he does. Tyler Reddick and Chris Busher, they're going to lead you down to the green flag to start that race at Texas, the All-Star Open. That one's going to be coming up at 6 p.m. on Fox Sports 1 Sunday night racing. And then at 8 p.m., we'll get the All-Star Race underway. We'll catch you back here next week to recap all the action. Thanks so much for hanging with us on Fox Sports 640. I'm Jeremy Kaufman.